You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Here we go with in the studio with Michael Card, who's giving me the cue right now to start talking. So thank you for that, Michael. I wouldn't know what to do without your cue. You know, it's it's so demonstrative. So we always do it in the same place. That's why I I think it's a, it's a kind of funny to give you the cue. You and producer Joe uh, both uh, have that cue for me simultaneously. So it, do, do I pay more attention to you or to Joe? I'm just not sure. I'm just me, you know, Wayne. Always pay more right attention now. to me. <laughs> okay. All right. okay. Well, at any rate, welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're going to reach into the archive today, not just the archive, Michael. We're going to reach deep into the archive because we're going to hear one of the first times that Buddy Green joined us on the program. Do you even remember that? Uh, No. And and one of the fun things about listening to these older programs is is remembering all, uh, you know, being in the old studio and uh, Buddy has been a, a good friend for 30 years. Right. And he's been also been a wonderful supporter of our of our program. So it's going to be great to hear Buddy. Right. That's coming up in the second half of this hour together. In the first half, yeah. we're going to go back even further. When we first started doing radio together, which we're drawing a lot of those radio programs into this podcast now, uh, we called it Join yeah. the Journey. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. I do All remember right. that. I do remember that. Well, we're going to hear your teaching on the woman caught in adultery from John chapter 8 and some of your music as well as we play this from the archive. Yeah, I'm anxious to hear what I said about this passage because it's actually my favorite my favorite passage, I think, in John. And uh, yeah. Okay. Now, but, and we also have a, a, a one very encouraging note from a listener. Mm-hmm. Martina, thank you very much for the wonderful podcast, which are both encouraging and inspirational. I can't wait for every Monday for the next episode. Just to let you know, I've been listening to Michael's music since I was a teenager. I bet you always love to hear that, don't you? (laughs) And his songs have helped me through some very difficult times. My favorite is Why and Forgiving Eyes. Could you please play one of them on the podcast? Well, Martina, we're going to play Forgiving Eyes in just a few moments here. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we would love to uh, accommodate and encourage you, uh, Martina, and thanks for writing uh, with, with those words. That's always a great encouragement. Well, let's get started. A good program to come, I believe, here, and we're going to go back in the archive for this from Joy in the Journey. Wayne, we're looking at one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John, the passage on the woman taken in adultery, mm-hmm. which is uh, one I think that uh, is a lot of people's favorite. You have uh, written and sung a song for many years now called Forgiving Eyes. Uh, that comes from this passage, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and, and it's an attempt just to try to get into this woman's mind and her, her experience with the forgiveness of Jesus, who, mm-hmm. who as Frederick Buechner said, would not condemn her because he would be condemned for her. Wow. So it's a... Well, that's what you do so well, is to take these texts and make them come alive, so to speak, through your music. We're going to enjoy hearing you sing Forgiving Eyes in just a moment, but as we think about the text, why don't we read it uh, together? Why don't you read it for us, Michael? Okay. The where where it occurs in the Gospel of John, right, of course, between right at the end of chapter 7, there's some... Uh, 
question. It's referred to as a textual floater, and, and a lot of uh, listeners out there may have a little note in their Bible that mm-hmm. says the earliest and most reliable manuscripts you know, have it somewhere else or something like that. Should that cause concern for us? I, I really don't think it should. Uh, it, it is true that it occurs in some different manuscripts in different places. In one one of the oldest manuscripts, it's in Luke. It's in the Gospel of Luke. So <laughs> yeah, that's why it, that's where the floating part it comes. Definitely <laughs> is a floater. But um, I think once we read it, uh, the consensus is that it certainly is a story that belongs in the Gospels, and it certainly is consistent with everything else that we know about Jesus. It is, and I mean, I would like to really make a case even for it being where it is. In John, because at the end of chapter 7, we have the temple guards who have been sent to arrest Jesus coming back. Uh, They disobeyed orders, basically, these big Benjaminite football player type uh, (laughs) temple guards. And uh, the Pharisees are angry because they've disobeyed orders and they've not brought him back. And so I really believe this whole attempt to trap Jesus with the woman is the Pharisees and the the priests taking matters into their own hands. It's a setup, isn't it? I think it is. Well, let's take a look at uh, John chapter 8 here. Okay. Then each went to his own home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. One of those powerful Mm -hmm. moments and very personal moments that we find in, in the Word of God. The, the, the picture there, the, the, the morning sunlight, uh, you know, the court that's filled with people who are all there to be taught. And, and then in the midst of uh, what I would suppose would be a relatively calm teaching time, the, the turmoil of this woman being dragged in, uh, it, 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 it's a wonderful picture. Verse 3 says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are the ones who, who create this turmoil by bringing this this woman to Christ. And we know they've been trying to lay a trap for Jesus all along and never succeed in trapping him. Of course, they have to, in the end, resort to false testimony and that sort of thing to to get Jesus into trouble. And what they've done here is is formulated a situation where either answer that Jesus gives mm-hmm. is going to get him into trouble. Mm-hmm. If he says, yes, stone her, he's in trouble with the Romans because the Romans have taken away the power of life and death from the Jews. And so the, the, the Pharisees can take Jesus to the Romans and say, he's breaking your law. But then, of course, if he says, no, don't stone her, then he's breaking Jewish law and he's in trouble with them. He's condoning adultery. Yeah. The uh, the fact here that she was caught, according to them, in an act of adultery, um, much has been said through the years is, where's the man? 
You know, she's the one who's brought for accusation in front of Christ. That, that's right. That's the favorite thing that people like to resort to, you know, uh, um, in particular people who say, oh, the scripture is biased towards men and that sort of thing. But the truth is, I mean, the Levitical law uh, condemns that both people in Leviticus 20, both people be stoned to death. So mm. there's no, you know, favoritism for men over women. Uh, I think what what we see here is uh, the Pharisees and the and the teachers of the law perhaps being biased. They let this man go. Who knows? There may have been one of them. That's another favorite idea that people have is that you know he might have been one of them. And who knows? Maybe that's behind what happens later. This whole business of the the oldest people leave first. You know, maybe there was some connection, but that that's all speculation. Michael, you talk a lot about the disciplined use of the imagination. I think that comes into play here because you've thought about this text and imagine what it was uh, like from the man's perspective. I, re- I really did, and I think that that's a good perspective to tell the story from. And I tried to fictionalize that in in a, a commentary on John that I wrote a few years ago. His telling the story of being caught with this uh, with this woman. We won't tell the whole story here that, uh, that you envision, but the idea is that uh, he eventually comes to Christ through this, this whole crisis time. And, and finds forgiveness himself, yes. even as the woman found forgiveness, mm-hmm. which, which, again, I hope, <laughs> I hope that's how, how it happened. Well, we're going to ask you to sing in a few moments, Michael, but I've got to ask you, when Jesus bent down yeah. and, and wrote in the sand, now, again, lots of ideas have been brought to the surface of what he might be writing there, if it meant anything at all. What is your perspective? On that. Well, that, that's another little detail that is uh, is one of my favorites. I, I, lo- I love the things that Jesus will say and do. He won't answer people's questions and they'll keep asking him or he'll turn away or he'll uh, refer to some physical object that's right there. And, and uh, the gospel writers are so faithful at giving us those details. And, and this the detail of him bending down and writing on the ground uh, again, to, almost to diffuse all of this emotion that's that's there, uh, it must have infuriated them. They must have felt like they were being ignored. Well, the the Greek word uh, for him writing is a word katagraphein. Graph graphein means, of course, to write. Kata means down. So it, literally, he was writing down something. It, he he's not just doodling or not just you know, tracing something. No, I, I don't think so. I think the word specifically means he was writing down something. And some commentators will go so far as to say he was making a list, that katagraphane means to make a list. And there's a there's a passage in Jeremiah 17, 13, that says, um, you know, all those who uh, deny you, their, their names will be written in the dust. Mm. And uh, I think we can see that as a prophetic word uh, that points directly to this story. Uh, and so probably another good way to understand the conclusion of the story where the elder people leave first, which is another sort of mysterious detail, is that Jesus is writing their names down. And there's even an ancient uh, version of this text that says he was writing on the ground their various names. Hmm. So, uh, well, we're told that after he writes on the ground, he stands up and says, "If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone." And then again, he stoops down and writes a second time, mm-hmm. and at this, they begin to walk away, yeah. uh, beginning with the older ones first. So that makes sense that their names were. They, they saw their names written in the in the ground there. Yeah, I think if there's some there's there has to be some reason why John tells us the older ones left first, and some people say, well, of course they were more mature and they understood, blah blah blah. But I think the the whole writing on the ground business may be may be the best indication. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, we come to Jesus and the woman. Mm. Finally, they they're all gone, and it's just the two of them. 
Yeah, and again, what a beautiful picture that is. Here's this woman, probably you know, out of breath and and certainly scared, frightened, yeah. right down to her toenails. And uh, everyone leaves. Jesus looks up, and they're gone. And and this whole business of woman, that's a, that's a tender. You know, he's he's addressing her very gently and very tender, tenderly. Woman, gune is the word. Uh, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And and you can imagine her looking around and seeing that all of her accusers are gone. And, of course, the only one who could have thrown a stone, let him who is without sin, is standing mm-hmm. there with her. And, of mm-hmm. course, of course, he's not going to throw, throw a stone at her. Once again, Frederick Buechner, I love this quote. He said, Jesus would not condemn her because he would be condemned for her. What a beautiful idea that is. Jesus' last words are, go now and leave your life of sin. What do you make of that? Well, that makes it clear that Jesus isn't being soft on adultery. Uh, A lot of people believe that the reason this is a textual floater is that some of the early Christians were afraid, oh, he's letting this woman off. And we know from Paul's writing that adultery was a real problem in the early church, as it is now. Hmm. Uh, But he's not being soft on adultery at all, but he's being soft on this woman. He's being gentle with her and, and giving her the charge, go now and leave your life of sin. And you have to... You have to know that she is going to be hanging on every word he says at this point. Well, Mikey, you're such a student of the Scriptures, and we love it when you turn around and teach us the Scriptures as you're doing here today, but you also sing the Scriptures to us. And while we're right here in your studio, as we do each week, we like to ask you to sing a song that goes along with our theme here. So Forgiving Eyes is the song we'd like to ask you to sing right now. Surrounded with shouts, the cruel accusations Dragged to the court, no hope of salvation All hope was lost, for those who had caught me Knew what I was, they knew all about me I thought it seemed strange, as we entered in They stopped a young rabbi to ask his opinion Caught in the act, their reason for hating My body could feel the stones that were waiting My judge, a man from Galilee In his eyes so gentle I could see A father and a brother and a son Just as I saw him The hope I had lost became born again I was not hopeless, though I'd been lost Now I felt I was found when he looked at me With his forgiving eyes crowd gathered round, so angry and violent But he stood beside me, peaceful and silent Then with a word, with one question he showed them That they too were guilty and could not condemn The next thing I knew, he asked me, where are they? And I looked around, the courtyard was empty The stones scattered round, 
the warm morning sunlight He'd made the darkness perfectly light In this new light now I understood He would not condemn me though he could For he would be condemned someday for me Just as I saw him the hope I had lost became born again I was not hopeless though I'd been lost now I felt I was found when he looked at me with his forgiving Michael, you can just picture Jesus looking at this woman with those eyes and saying, go and leave your life of sin. And it all, it all happened in the morning. There was a light that was dawning, and I think that's symbolic too. John loves the image of light and darkness because for this woman now, there's a whole new light that's coming into her life. The song we heard Michael Card sing is called Forgiving Eyes, and this is Joy in the Journey as we look into the scriptures this week on this theme of forgiveness. Uh, Wayne, in First John, there's a passage that talks about the darkness and the light. Why, why don't you read that for us? All right. It's First John chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. John says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives." My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That passage could have been a commentary on John 8. You know, hmm. I wonder if John even had that in mind when he wrote, wrote it, because he That's refers it. to these people who say they're without sin. That's the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and the scribes mm-hmm. and uh, the, the people who, who are intent and not walking in the darkness anymore. That's this woman. So we may not have the same sin that this woman was accused of. We may not be adulterers, but we certainly are sinners. But let's, yeah, let's not fool ourselves either. Uh, and that's a, that's a popular dodge now as, as even the concept of sin in, uh, in our time in America is, is uh, out of favor and, and it's not seen as the darkness, you know, that it truly is. We it's, make bad choices and mistakes. Right. And, um, I can imagine people listening to this uh, radio program, and even even our talking about sin is something that's turning them off, and um, hopefully they haven't switched the dial <laughs> off yet. But um, 
if you if you listen to your own heart, I, I I think you'll recognize that there is a neediness that you have, that that I have, that all of us uh, recognizes there. We know that there is darkness in in us. We know that there is fallenness and there is fragileness. And every one of us, I think, recognizes the need for a savior. I think we we try to satisfy that need in all sorts of wrong ways and. And on our own, and, and, and like John says, sometimes we claim to be without sin and we even end up deceiving ourselves. But the truth is, we all need to come to that place of the woman who stands before Jesus absolutely needy, absolutely helpless, absolutely forsaken, and realize that he is the only person that we can find forgiveness from. Confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. If we turn around, that's what repentance is. And, and the Bible assures us, uh, again, we have this wonderful assurance that we are not going to be uh, driven away. We, are, we will be adopted. We will be accepted. Grace will be extended to us. We will receive the same reception that this woman received. You know, I, I will not condemn you, but go and leave your life of sin. Jesus will not condemn us because he has been condemned for us. And that's the good news of the gospel. Wayne, I have a, a hymn book in front of me that has an old hymn. This is 1771. <laughs> um, but it, it's called, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. Uh, words were written by William Cowper so long ago. But again, here is a man who recognized his own need for this forgiveness, for this light. And let me play just a couple of verses All of right. this hymn. Michael here in the studio as he moves to the piano. Let's, let's listen now. There Till I die. 
It is so good to hear a song like that. Uh, as you said, it comes from many, many years ago, but has not lost any of its truth, has it, Michael? It hasn't. We we stand in a continuous line in a worshiping community with, uh, with William Cowper and people like him. Talk to all of us who know today that we are sinners, that we have sins that we need to confess to the Father, mm-hmm. but, but talk to us about that. Well, uh, this is not a word that's just to the sinners. I mean, uh, the Pharisees were the ones that divided everyone up into righteous and sinners. Uh, the Bible has told us that we, we all sin, and John in that first passage says, you know, we, we have all sinned. Right. And so the word goes out to people who have embraced Christ as their Savior, who still need to keep recognizing and confessing their sin, but as well, and perhaps most pointedly, to people who've never said yes to him. Because uh, today can be the day that you find this forgiveness, this light that the woman uh, who was caught in adultery found. Today could be the day that that burden can be lifted because Jesus has promised to do that for us. Perhaps this conversation today from the Word here has uh, caused you to open your eyes a bit to what's inside your own heart. And confession, confession is really just saying with God that, I agree with you, God. I know there's some things in my heart that need to be fixed. Yeah, confession is recognizing your own neediness for forgiveness and recognizing that you can't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And we have this one who has died for our sins and who validated his power and his authority by being raised from the dead. We can turn to this person, and again, like the woman, I keep referring to her because she's so much on my mind. Like the woman, we can hear those words, I do not condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. But for the person who's listening, and from experience, I know that people like this tune in all the time who say, but you don't know what I've done. You Mm -hmm. just don't understand how dark it is inside Mm -hmm. me. And, of course, you and I don't know the particulars of everyone's life. Only God does. But the point is, God does know. And we can't, of course, shock or surprise God by anything we've done. Uh, And, again, we have the assurance of Scripture that he is that Father who will forgive anything because he died for the sins of the whole world. We have a couple of minutes left, Michael. Let's let's spend this time in prayer. Let's pray for the person who's listening that uh, their eyes would be open, that they would confess their sins, that they would come to the light and, and receive this forgiveness that's offered by Jesus Christ. Okay, let's pray. First of all, Lord, I want to pray for the opening of my own eyes to my own sin and to my own neediness. Uh, Lord, I would I would ask that uh, my own experience and Wayne's experience this day would be that we might find ourselves before you yes. in this new light, in this morning of, uh, of forgiveness, that we might hear the stones dropping all around us because we are uh, rightfully men who, who could be stoned. Mm-hmm. We are uh, rightfully men who could be condemned, who have... Uh, taken advantage of of your grace so many times. So first of all, Lord, we want to come clean. We want to repent. We want to turn around and, and acknowledge that you are the only hope we have. But we would also come and, and ask for those who are listening, who've never said yes to you, that they might somehow, by your Spirit, feel drawn, that they might somehow, again, by your Spirit, sense uh, that there is a darkness that only your light can enlighten, that there is a neediness and a hunger that only you can satisfy, and that they might be led by your Spirit to stand before your presence, before your very Son, this day, even this moment, that they might recognize that they need to repent and accept the free gift that comes from the one who so graciously says, 
I'm not going to condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. We would ask, Lord, that everyone who would pray that prayer today would find themselves following you, would find themselves walking in your light even this day and beginning a new life with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We're going to pause this session there as we reset the studio for the second half coming up. If what you're hearing has stirred you to want to go deeper, look online for more from Michael that can help. Find books, including the newest release titled The Nazarene. And there's music and news about upcoming conferences at michaelcard.com. You can email your comments and questions to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. That's inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll get the word out about this digital gathering by posting a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing the link to your favorite social media platform. Coming up, more music, conversation with our guest, and Michael's closing perspective after this message in the studio with Michael Card. This month, we're excited to point you to a study tool that is a little different. It's the Christian Standard Commentary Series. You'll find the work of many noted scholars who offer their researched insights balanced with real-world applications. Search for the Christian Standard Commentary at csbible.com and explore the various Bible books that are now available in this series. And when you order, be sure to apply your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. Many fine Bible scholars have contributed their examination and analysis of the Bible, and now you can benefit from their years of study. There are many books in this series to choose from. This could be a great opportunity for you to jump into a more focused approach to learning the meaning behind the Scriptures. I hope you take the next step in serious Bible study. Search for The Christian Standard Commentary now at csbible.com. We are in the studio with Michael Card and with Buddy Green playing the harmonica. Buddy Green, welcome. Good to be here. Mike, you've played the harmonica. You, Not you, like that. No. <laughs> Not like that. Buddy, when did you learn uh, to play like that? Well, I've been playing for about 30 years. Wow. I started in college, uh, probably 18, 19 years old. Huh. I've been playing music for a while, though, and so yeah. I caught on rather quickly Yeah, uh, just from the knowledge I have from guitar and uh-huh. singing and stuff. How would you compare that to learning another instrument? It's a easy. It's an easy instrument to get started on, you know, because you blow into it and you get a chord, yeah. and mm-hmm. suck into it and you yeah. get a chord. But and, to get it to sound like you just got it to yeah. sound, yeah. I mean, right away, the you know the first problem is playing single note melodies, and because the holes are so close together, uh-huh. and so that always seems to be the first hurdle. And then once you get past that, then you want to start making those cool sounds, you know, <laughs> the bending the notes, bend and all the note, stuff. get yeah. that train whistle and all that stuff. <laughs> And that, then it gets as hard as probably any other any other instrument. Well, now, you, do you not have a degree? 
that was focused on harmonica? Did somebody say you had a degree, a classical degree? No, harmonica? no. Uh, where did I hear that? I don't have any formal okay. music training. That was another another part of the myth that has grown around. <laughs> yes, yes, they're just... Other than the school, dropping the ball around me. Well, <laughs> he does play some classical. I mean, the, my first introduction to you was hearing William Tell Overture on the harmonica, and I'm not. We're not going to ask you to do that because I'm sure you're tired <laughs> well, of playing it. It's a, it's a definitely an abridged version of the song yeah. that I come up with. <laughs> There's a neat story behind that song, though. That was, you know, I was I learned harmonica at the same time that I was playing bars and taverns, and that was my school of hard knocks down uh-huh. in Georgia. And we were usually treated about like a jukebox in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. just ignored most of the time. <laughs> so I was always trying to come up with, with little tricks uh, on the harmonica that would get the attention back up on stage. Now, was that with Buddy's Buddies? No, that was that. Buddy's Buddies was a, was a, a high school group. Okay. Because uh, I ran into one of your high school friends, and I said, I, I need as much information on Buddy Green as I can. And that's the one I remembered, that you had a group... Buddies, buddies, preceded yeah. by the Flying Beatles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In which that all started about age 10 or 11 and huh. it lasted through high school. But no, this was, yeah. I, I was in several little combos in my, throughout my 20s. And I, was, and I was learning the harmonica then too. And, uh, but anyway, that was the way, you know, people, if you started doing something like the William Tell Overture on the harmonica, they'd get their attention. That's pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, buddy, uh, you you came here to this studio and recorded a song with Mike for his uh, latest yeah. album, Fragile Stone. Yeah. Uh, walking on the water. Yeah, and and Buddy has helped uh, helped on other records as well. So we've we've known each other. Yeah, I, I think I played a little harmonica on your Lullaby record. You of did, yours. Huh. Yeah, you did. Now uh, that Walking on the Water song, Mike, that's on a Fragile Stone CD. Mm-hmm. That's bluegrass. That's right. And, and uh, Buddy, bluegrass. I mean, where where do you, where does bluegrass fit in here? Well, I just fell in love with it. Um, about the same time that I was learning the harmonica, um, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, that album with mm-hmm. the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, mm-hmm. uh, it did to me what it did to millions of, of people out there mm-hmm. playing you know, guitars. And just sort of, into, I was into, by this time, already into the roots of music. I was yeah. digging a lot of old blues stuff. And, and so when I heard this, the authenticity of guys like Doc Watson and yep. Roy Acuff and Jimmy Martin, and you know, they just it just grabbed me, and I yeah. never got over it. So yeah. I'm not really, you know, I'm not a purebred bluegrass guy, but I've I've just loved it. It's become a part of my hybrid but, ever uh, since there's then. There's nobody better at it. Mm. Uh, who's Rufus? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your middle name? I confess. Is that your middle name? Though? Yeah, uh, Lee Rufus Green the Third. Okay. Uh, All right. Proper moniker. All right. But. So that's where your new CD title <laughs> Rufus comes from. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, and when I first moved to town, uh, which back in '84, uh, actually before, I, for a year, I, I, I commuted back and forth from Atlanta because I had gotten a job with Jerry Reed, the country music entertainer, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy that got me the job was already in the band. He was the band captain. His name was Buddy Blackman. So. Jerry couldn't handle but one buddy in the band when it came to naming people on stage at night. So he said, we got to come up with a new name for you. And he started making up stuff. And I said, well, hold on. Just how about Rufus? And he just went, Rufus. Man. And it just was the handle he loved. And um, so for four years while I was in that band, I was just known as Rufus mm-hmm. and, okay. and introduced myself to Hence people. Hence the that title of your band. latest CD, yeah. Rufus. Well, it seemed like, you know, it was kind of hard to figure out what to call that record. And Rufus, it, it just has one of those sort of friendly, uh, evocative rings to it, yeah. you know. and Non-threatening. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to spending this whole half of the program here yes. with Buddy. Uh, we're right in the studio, this uh, wonderful place where Mike makes a lot of his music. And you've made some here too, Buddy. You want to mm-hmm. make some for us right now, as a matter of fact? What, yeah. 
Can you do something from the new CD? Yeah, we're talking about Rufus. Let me see if I can... Uh... And Rufus, by the way, was chosen by the Chicago Tribune? Yes, I happened to pick up the Sunday edition of the Chicago Tribune not too long ago, yeah. and it was one of their 10 best of the year. In right? the bluegrass category. The bluegrass, yeah. yeah. yeah I was, Congratulations. Uh, I was thrilled. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'll do a, um, a little um, version of a song that I, I heard done really as a f- fast bluegrass song, but then I slowed it down one day, turned it into a bluesy thing, and of course, Kenny Meeks, my good friend who plays with me, he loved that, so... Rock in a weary land. Our Lord is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land, my shelter in the time for the storm will not stop. And let me tell you about chapter one When the Lord and God's work had just begun Well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter two When the Lord and God had preached that Bible through Well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter three When the Lord and God had died upon Calvary Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land A weary land, yeah, a weary land Oh, my Lord is a rock in a weary land My shelter in the time of the storm Well, now stop and let me tell you about Chapter 4, when the Lord and God had visited among the poor Well, now stop and let me tell you about Chapter 5, when the Lord and God had raised up all the dead alive Well, now stop and let me tell you about Chapter 6, when he went up to Jerusalem and healed the sick Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land In a weary land My shelter in the time of the storm Tell you about chapter seven when he died and he risen and he went up to heaven. Well, stop and let me tell you about chapter eight when the Lord and God he stood at that golden gate. Well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter nine or when the Lord God he turned all that water to wine. Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land.
live right here in the studio mm-hmm. with Michael Card. That's Buddy Green, who's uh, with us here. And uh, boy, that was great, Buddy. Thank you. Thanks. I needed a picker on that. I had to be my own instrument. <laughs> <That's> pretty <laughs> good, though. <laughs> you guys uh, always amaze me how you can just pick it up and just go like that, though. I mean, uh, how do you remember all the Necessity. all the words to those songs as you're singing them? I don't a lot of the times. I'm, uh, I, in fact, the longer I do this, the more I find myself scrambling for words. I've really? learned too many songs and played too many. So um, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not any easier anyway. Well, Mike, let's, let's talk to Buddy as we normally do with guests come to the studio about uh, why they do what they do. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's important for us to understand how the Lord calls different people to different things. Well, I remember... Um, our first long conversation. I think you just signed a record deal, and you were uh, um, you wanted to talk about how to. You, you said something like, "What do I talk about?" Remember that discussion? <laughs> or, yeah, I had a real uh, quandary over because I was trained to be an entertainer. Yeah, and I was going into this world where the message was everything. Yeah, and it was really spooking me, and I didn't. So, I was listening to people like Michael. I mean, and I knew the power of someone who could communicate the gospel from a platform and a musician doing that and using songs and all. So, you know, I wanted to find out from people like Michael, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I don't. I couldn't tell him. I don't know. So I, I wasn't any help. But, but, but what, what what I remember was shortly after that, I went to praise gathering. You were hosting praise gathering. Okay, and there was like. 20,000 people. And Buddy, it was like Frank Sinatra. He oh. like had the whole room right in the palm of his hand. I thought, Buddy doesn't need anybody to tell him what to say. Well, that was, you know, entertainment is something that I have done for a long time, and that that is what I cut my teeth on. Um, and it's something I genuinely enjoy, enjoy doing is helping people relax and have mm-hmm. a good time. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, going back to that, that time, it really was there was a real quandary going on, and and I became more and more self conscious about the entertainer aspect of me because I go to yeah. churches and you know and you'd have a you know a, the pastor or whoever would say now buddy don't entertain us you know <laughs> yeah buddy's we, not here to entertain we us. want ministry yeah. you know yeah. and this and I was just freaking out about you know oh man they've hired the wrong guy <laughs> <laughs> and and I remember one time I was at a men's retreat and playing golf with this guy in fact he was one of the speakers and. And the night before, we had uh, I had played my harmonica, and just done some. A friend came up to me and said, "Hey, get up and play your harmonica. This, these men are all uptight, and just break the ice." And so I just had fun with the harmonica for about twenty minutes. In fact, they they had trouble getting me off the stage so that the speaker could get up and talking. <laughs> and so the next day, we were playing golf. The speaker said to me, he "says uh, But you know, you're you're a great entertainer. That was great last night what you did." And I said, "Well, you know, that's not really what I do. You know, I'm really a minister of the gospel and all this." And he just mm-hmm. looked at me like, "Man." What is your problem? And yeah. He said, uh, "You know, you just need to get over that. You're, you're an entertainer, and Jesus shines through you, and the world needs that." Yeah, you know, and and it was just one of the most freeing things I ever heard. Um, and I went home and really thought about that a lot. And I said, "Yeah, that really is, that really is what I, 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 God's been making out of me all these years." <laughs> yeah. And if I can get the gospel communicated through that, fine. Yeah, and you do. That's what's so wonderful about it. I think, it, it, you know, Jesus is obviously a very entertaining person to be around, mm-hmm. mainly because you never know what he's going to say or do next. But certainly entertainment isn't the point. It's the it's the byproduct of something, uh, of a gift, of something that's done well. Yeah. And and that's so, that's so obvious in your life. 
Well, so be you. Yeah, well, thanks. And when and it helps me yeah. uh, to do that. I, I, I know I'm a lot less self-conscious when I can just relax and entertain, play music, have a good time. And I, and I, and I believe more and more, too, in the, just the power of a song as a vehicle yeah. for the gospel. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, the song communicates much better than any of my commentary can yeah. <laughs> help it along, mm-hmm. you know. Talk to us a little bit more about that transition time uh, when, when you came to the Lord and you knew that this was a, a turning point in your life, buddy. Well, it was about the same time that I went to work for Jerry Reed. Um, it was a slow process, actually. and um, But by that time, I was at least confiding in a few friends that I was believing in Jesus and starting to show up at church occasionally. And mm-hmm. and the first year with Jerry was really a hard year, but it was a good year because I was going out with, uh, you know, I was in the world of country music entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, and when I'd get around a bunch of people that were, you know, being worldly in their ways, I just joined right in with them, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely knew how to do that. And then I'd come home and go to church and just feel guilty. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, after about a year of that, I remember going to my pastor one day and saying, um, you know, I'm not doing well out on the road. I'm just, you know, I'm a hypocrite and I'm living this double life. And I, maybe I ought to just give it all up and go play Christian music. And he goes, well, great. I mean, you got any uh, open doors in Christian music? And I said, well, no, not really. But I just thought I'd quit and maybe it would happen. And he said, well, whoa, whoa. He said, you know, if you just tried being faithful where you are. And um, wow. he said, you know, you don't. It's not like you got to just become a holy man overnight, but why don't you just ask for a little faith to take a little baby step? And so, you know, I'd I'd be mm. going out on the road, and you know, Lord, if there's any pot smoking this weekend, help me just to pass it up, you know, and just you know, if the joint comes my way, I'll pass it to the next guy. How about that, God? Can you just give me strength for that? And I'd come home from a trip, and 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 I wouldn't have indulged, and and um, so. There were just a number of instances like that throughout the next three or four years that I had that job where, you know, I just asked God to help me, and he did. Bless the heart of that pastor gave you that advice, too. great advice, yeah. Yeah. And then when the door finally did open to go into Christian music, it was such an obvious thing. It was, um, you know, I couldn't have uh, orchestrated it any better. Um, and and, And it also gave me some time. I think I really needed time to be... Uh, in a worldly situation to realize that, you know, it's important that Christians yeah. know how to be in the world, but yeah. not of it. And, yeah. 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 Wow. That's so interesting. Wow. It's just so much fun to see how God works in different people's lives. And, and uh, buddy, thanks. You, know, you got another yeah. song? You want to do another song here? What do you think, Michael? Can we? Hey. Uh, <laughs> I know he's got some more lurking down inside him there. He's going to pick up the guitar here now. Well, you know, we, um, when I started into Christian music, um, it was through um, the Gaithers, Bill and Glory Gaither. I was invited to play it at, at this praise gathering event back in 86 when I was still in Jerry's band. And shortly after that, they asked me to go out on the road with them. And that was a great, another great learning place because mm. Bill, oh, yeah. Bill is, is an entertainer, <laughs> but he's also someone who really wants to help mm-hmm. an audience worship and see Christ and <laughs> So I'll, it was just great to sit up there huh. night after night and watch him, and then I would just get up and do my song and then sit back down, you know, and then I'd watch and take notes. Is it a compliment to call Bill the Godfather? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's he really, he's, he's the P.T. Barnum of Christian music is what he is. And um, and his wife, Gloria, is just, uh, she is a jewel. I mean, just yeah, she's wonderful. She's a thinker. And she's she, a great thinker yeah. and wonderfully gifted as a writer and communicator. And... Um, one, we've written a few songs together, 
and let's see if I can do this one. And I don't do this song much, but I really love, I love this as an example of how she can paint a picture. Hmm. One day I brought her a, a melody that was complete. I had done this whole song, and I said, can you come up with something? And she heard this little three-note phrase, and she said, come with me. What about Jesus calling his disciples? Hmm. I said, great. She said, well, play. And an hour later, she'd written this. Walk by the seashore Come with me Leave your boats and your nets Come with me And together we'll fish for men Come with me Come with me And we'll sit on a hillside Come with me Feed the hungry with bread Come with me Till your spirit is satisfied Oh, come with me, don't ever leave my side, and like a branch abide in me. Oh, come with me. Climb up Golgotha Come with me Bear your cross up the hill Come with me Through the pain and the agony Come with me Come with me It is dawn in the garden Come with me Find the stone rolled away Come with me Leave the death and the tombs behind and find new life in me Don't ever leave my side And like a branch abide in me back to, I think, year one of In the Studio. Buddy Green with us here, and we're up to date now, and uh, it's great to hear that, Michael. Yeah, I, I love Buddy's voice, and uh, his heart comes through his voice, and he is, uh, he was he yeah. was actually an elder in my church. He was, he's like the, the, the classic elder who, who uh, would check on you and make sure everything was good, and if you had a problem, he'd be the first oh. person you'd call. He's a great guy. Okay. Yeah. Was he, was he assigned to you? <laughs> I think maybe he was assigned to all the problem people in the church, the people with the you know the most problems. So yeah, that ended up being me. Hey, here's a listener note. I just wanted to let you know I really enjoy listening to your program on my 40 minute commute to work. I've been listening to your music mm. for years since I was a child. Our little eight month old daughter listens to your lullabies each night before bed. I know a lot of parents Aww. still use those. 
Uh, this listener, John, says, I thought you might be interested to know, not only has your music inspired me to immerse myself in the Word of God by studying human perspectives in the text, many of the teachings, books, and songs, and things you've shared from your mentor, Dr. Lane, have left an impression on me. I'm a fourth grade school teacher. Wow. Listen to this. There's a wooden sign out my classroom that reads, let the excellence of your work be oh, your protest. Oh, I would love to hmm. see that. I wonder where that John, came from. John, send us a picture of that. <laughs> John says, I have had several teachers comment on it as they walk past my room. God bless you, Mike and Wayne. Keep doing the work you're doing. It's making an impact for eternity. Wow. Well, thank you, John. Wow. That is so... It wouldn't Bill love that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, just a word about what's coming up in the weeks ahead. Well, we're going to focus on um, the idea of the Galilean Jewishness of Jesus, which I think is an absolutely fascinating idea, the... the 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 difference between uh, Judea and Galilee and and uh, and it, it really it's it's a wonderful key to understanding who who Jesus is and and the mind of Jesus which we're we're also going to talk about his his heart and his mind yeah you want to say a word about the commentary series the CSB commentary series well yeah because later on I think we're going to be talking to Dr Schreiner who uh, wrote the I'm looking at it here on my desk the first and second Peter and Jude commentary on this uh, for the uh, CSB uh, commentary series. So not only is there a new translation, a fresh translation, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, uh, but they're, uh, they're now Lifeway is now doing a whole series of commentaries. And one of the finest ones is really is Tom Schreiner's, and we're going to get to talk to him very soon. So it's wonderful, wonderful to see all these things coming together. Well, Mike, thank you for your teaching today from John 8 as we wrap things up here now. Well, thanks, Wayne. It's, it is always good to spend time with you and to uh, open the Word together. If this time has been valuable for you, please take a moment and pass along your comments. Share the link with a friend or post a review of this podcast. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. Find an edition of this new translation that fits your needs. This month, we're highlighting a wonderful companion resource that can aid you as you go deeper in the Scriptures. When you visit csbible.com, search for the Christian Standard Commentary. Many gifted Bible teachers have contributed their long-time study of the Bible, and now you can benefit from their years of research. And when you order, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. The Christian Standard Commentary at csbible.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Carr.